And so I get the opportunity today to again be the voice to remind us of what he's been saying to us in this camp. That we are going into a transition, but it's leading somewhere. Where is it leading? Transformation. Transition that's leading to transformation. But you can't just go and say, okay, great, we're going into transition and be transformed. You have to go through the steps. We have to go through revival. We have to go through being Ebola, pressed out and pushed out into the world and for his harvest as laborers. And then we see their transformation. His kingdom come. He's so gracious. He even sent a, a beautiful brother who came, Brother Mark. And Brother Mark told us all the way back in March, he said, now listen, during this transition, as you go through this transition, I'm praying for you. And the Lord told me that he's going to pour out hopeful endurance to each and every one of you that says yes to this transition. When you say yes to saying to God, bring me through revival. God, I will let you burn me holy, burn me lovely. Burn me righteous. He told us that in a song with his dear sister when he was spontaneously worshiping through her. He said he's going to burn us. He's going to take us through revival fires. But God said he's going to do it and he's going to give us a hopeful endurance as we go through. And you know what that hopeful endurance means? All it means is that we would be fired up about the goodness of our God coming. That we would be those that would be so hopeful. That we would be so fired up that this is our God and he is good. And God is doing all this because he wants to thrust us deeper into the purposes of his heart and his will and his image. He don't want us to be like the world. He don't want us to be like everything else. He said, I want to thrust you into the deeper parts of him. So in March, we began this transition. And I loved it because, you know what, God is so good. I'm just bringing to your memory today. I'm just, I get to be able to sit here today and say, don't forget. Let us remember what the Lord said. He gave us a beautiful vision. If media could put it up in Ezekiel, I'm going to read to you. He told us that this transition would be like the river that flows from the temple. Do you remember that? Do you remember Ezekiel 47 when he says that, guess what? There's going to be a flow from God. There's going to be a flow from his river, and it's going to start out, and it's going to be shallow. It's going to be a place where you have to say yes to. It's a place that you're going to say, I want to go deeper. It said when you go 1,750 feet further, it came up to your ankles. But then you went 1,750 feet further, and it came up to your knees. And then you went 1,750 feet more, and it was up to your waist. It got to a place, glory be to God, where it said that you had to swim. That's revival. That's revival. We can all be stuck in one place and just experience the trickle from heaven, or we can be in a place, glory be to God, where it's so deep that all we can do is swim. He promised us that. That's not just my words. That's the word that God gave us back in March. And he told us this is what it's going to look like. That's the revival that he is setting us for. But in Ezekiel 47, if media can put it up, 
I want to show you what that says. That river isn't just a river for us to be dancing around and splashing around in. Oh, glory and be all happy. We will have that. But that river is, has a purpose. That river is because there's a reward of God. That river is from God, and that river is for his reward. It said it's going to go out to the Dead Sea. It's going to go out, and it's going to touch places that it says in verse 9, there will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in that place. It goes on to say, life will flourish wherever that water flows. Let me tell you, that sounds like a transformation to me. We, that, that was a dead sea. It was in a desert place. And all of a sudden now it says, this river is going to come forth, and there's going to be fish of every kind. There is going to be those uh, swarms of living things that will be found there. Praise be to God. If that don't grip you a little bit, it grips me every time I think of it. What would that be like? God, I pray it's for the, the, the community I live in. I pray it's for Burlington, but I pray it's for beyond. I pray, God, that you have shown us in Philly and Delaware and Jersey. Set a fire, God. Do your work. It goes on to say in this beautiful verse in Ezekiel 47, and, and I guess media is having... Um, some difficulty putting the, the verses up. And in 47, it goes on and it says, the leaves of these trees will never even turn brown, that they won't even fall off, and there will always be fruit on their branches. Glory be to God. There will be a new crop every month, for they will be watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for the food and the leaves will be for healing. God already promised what this transition is going to look like. He showed us the revival part in these, in these verses. He showed us the harvest of it, and then he even showed us what transformation heaven on earth will come. So I'm here to ask us, where are we right now? Where are we on December 17th? Where is High Street Worship? Where is Dino right now? And I asked God, I said, God, just show me where we're at. And he says, you know what? We're in the revival waters. We're in revival. And let me explain a little bit. I know sometimes our religious mind gets a little bit twisted on what revival looks like. And yes, it's not the tent outside. It's not nightly meetings. No, it's not the places where, you know, we're gathering and we're having worship extravaganzas. It's not that type of revival. The revival that we are in right now is God is making us aware. He is raising our awareness. He is raising our consciousness. He is raising our alertness to him. That's revival when all of a sudden things that you did not see before, things that you did not hear before, things that you did not feel before, things that were not there, they become there. But more importantly, you begin to respond to those places. That's revival. I was over here, but wait a minute, God, you got my attention. And you told me, Dino, I'm over here, and I come over here. And now all of a sudden I'm responding with God. That's revival. That's where we are right now. 
That's where we are right now, High Street Worship Center. He wants to do that because guess what? He's got a heart. He wants revival means restored unto life. He's reviving us so that we can be restored unto life. And that life just isn't for us, not that we bask in that. That life is going to be for all those that he sends us out in the harvest for so that his kingdom shall come. This revival is personal. This revival starts with me. This revival is not Sunday morning service and sermon. It is not just that. This revival starts in the secret place. That's revival. That's revival when I have a choice of what I'm going to do, and all of a sudden I choose you. Revival is when, wait a minute, I'm going to be discipled. I want to say, yes, God, teach me. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. So this revival is, is here. It's with us. Just like hope is a person, revival is Jesus. Revival is his word. Revival is his word. It's his spirit. It's spirit and truth. Remember, this transition is leading to transformation. So I asked the Holy Spirit, how do I get past explaining, okay, we're in revival. And it means we're being aware of you and alerted of you. And he goes, Dino, all you have to do is look back. What have I said for 10 months? What did I say through my servant Mark? What did I say through my servant Terry? And what did I say through my, the worship when I moved in my spirit upon your worship? And he told me four things, if media could put them up. Revival is happening right now in four areas in our, in our lives. Revival is happening first in our heart. Got to start there. Revival then is moving in our identity. It says, you know who you are. That's God. When God moves in revival, he moves in your heart, and then he moves and he goes, let me tell you who you are. He's bringing revival to our identities. But then he's going to bring revival to your character. We've learned that for two and a half months. We've been talking about Joseph. And it all was about your character, my character. He's bringing revival to our character, who we are. And then he's going to bring revival to the authority that he has given to his children, to his church, to his ecclesia. That's revival. He's going to do that because guess what? Through those places, then harvest. He don't just, he can't just give that to, to someone who doesn't know that they are his children and walking in their identity and has a character to match the calling. So I want to unpack it a little bit for us. Please bear with me. I want to unpack what does revival look like in your heart? What does revival look like in your identity, in your character? And what does it look like in the authority that God has given us? Is everyone following? Glory be to God. All we're doing is we unpacking what he already gave us. It's like a gift, re-giving. It's a gift and then it's a gift. But Father God, we want to unpack this one, God. We want to make it our own, God. Lord, we don't want to unpack it and put it to the side. We don't want to pack it and look for something else. God, we want this now. A heart revival starts in Proverbs. 
we can put up Proverbs 4 and 23. How many times this year have we heard this scripture? Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do will flow from it. The course of your life will be determined by your heart. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm here. I lived for years. God put a love of God in me as a young boy. As a young man, I loved God. But I lived for so many years with an unguarded heart. And you know what? I was tossed to and fro. I was, you know what they said? I, I couldn't even stand for one thing, so I fell to everything. That ain't what God's talking about when he's talking about revival. When he's talking about what he's doing right now, he's saying, I want you to get a hold of this. We can't get it wrong. This is a above all else. We can't miss this one. You don't cut a corner on this. You can't. I tried. I didn't even do it purposefully because I didn't even know how to guard my heart. But God isn't letting his children go unknowing anymore. God isn't letting us just keep doing church and keep doing life without saying, wait a minute, God, my heart's got to be guarded. I have to surrender it only to you. The way we surrender our hearts, the way that we uh, deal with this guarding of our hearts is that we understand that our ears and our eyes and our mind and our thoughts, our emotions, and even our will, they are all entry points into our heart. What I look at, what I behold, is what I become. What I behold is what I become. That's right access to your heart. I can love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. He said, if you love me, then you would keep my commandments. You would, you would do as I say. So I'm telling you something. He's telling us right now, guard your heart above all else. There's places that our eyes just aren't supposed to behold. We need to renounce some things. We need to deal with the things that we know God hates. We need to deal with the things that we know that God loves. We need to be surrendered to the things he loves, and we need to close those doors to the things that he hates. Because you know why? He wants to sanctify those places. Because you know what happens when something's sanctified? When you bring something to the altar and it is holy and sanctified, what happens? Fire falls. When there is something that's pleasing unto the Lord, when there's something that he has said, oh, wow, that place has been guarded. That place has been set apart. That place is mine and mine alone. When he sees that, he says, fire fall. And that's revival. God's made it clear that he desires to build our hearts and not our heads. Our heart he said, you know, another way that you need to deal with this heart, it's got to be humble. It's got to be quick to repent. Quick to repent. It has to be quick to forgive. Quick to love. That's revival. How many times this year have we already heard it? I'm just here again to say this is the way. Let us go there in it. No more, God. 
do we want any more? Listen, there are going to be worries in this world. There are going to be things in this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. There are going to be things in this world that want to rise up in the lust of our flesh and the pride of life and the lust of our eyes. And God says, but wait a minute. I've already given you me. Look to me. I will author you, and I will finish your faith. Because you know what? The enemy just wants to come. Because guess what? This revival is leading to what's next? Harvest. He's trying to come across and hinder what God wants to bring forth in harvest. He wants to hinder the transformation that comes at the end of the transition. Not here at High Street Worship Center. Look how good God is. God said, I gave you 10 months of my presence and my word, and then I'm going to stop you again at the end of the year. And I'm going to give you another reminder because you're my child. And like my child, he doesn't do it. He's not in our life. He goes, do it, do it, do it. He's not in our life and, and telling us uh, he's a gentleman. He comes along again on the end of the year, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dino, whatever's on your heart. All right, well, that's too big. <laughs> I thank God it's on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God told us early on when we were talking about heart. He said, so there are places in our heart that's fallow ground. That just means that ground that's gotten hard. There's places in our heart that are hard. Spend time with God. Ask God, how do I break up that hard ground? He wants us to break it up because he wants to put seed in it. And the way to break up that hollow ground, first thing to do is just go seek him. Just go alone in that secret place and be with him. And all of a sudden, he's going to start showing you some places in your heart that you can deal with, that he wants to deal with. Because he said, guess what? Once that ground is break, uh, broken up, I'm going to come and plant some seeds. And these seeds are not seeds that are going to be sown amongst the thorns. These seeds are not going to be seeds that now all of a sudden they're there and you can't even access them because they're surrounded with the cares of this life. These are going to be seeds that he says are going to be good ground that come forth and bring forth fruit. So we just thank God for that. So this revival in our heart, it just isn't Dino's heart. It's not just your heart. It's not personal. It's also corporate. There's a place when we come together in this place that God wants to do a corporate revival in our heart. What, I, what God's doing in the secret place, I only could bring that on Sunday. I can't bring anything that I don't have, number one. I can't bring anything I don't have. Tried that, done that. That's a hypocrite. But also the thing is when we come into the house and we all bring what God gave us, whoo, let me tell you what it says in Colossians. In Colossians 2 verse 2, this is what it says. Paul is writing to the church in Colossians, but he also says, you know what else? He writes in the verse before it in verse 1. He says, and this is also to the church of Laodicea. And we know the church of Laodicea, they had gotten kind of cold. But this is what he wrote. Paul wrote, my goal is that you, the church, may be encouraged in heart. Let me tell you what that encouraged means. Revived. That encouraged means revived. It means revival would come to your heart. That when you come together in the house, there would be an encouragement in the house. And you would be united in love. 
You know what I looked up? That word united, man, I mean, I know what united is, I thank God. But when I looked it up, it actually means be braced together. So imagine a, a brace a broken arm, God brace. Imagine God bracing us all together in love. Imagine him coming together and just putting us together. Then all of a sudden we walk in and out and we go, whoa, I'm so braced in love. That's what he wants to do. So why? So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, Jesus Christ. So you know what that means? That means this, that we would just get more intimate with Jesus. He wants to do that. So we would get more intimate in the mystery of Jesus, that we would go know him more. We would know his thoughts and we would know his heart. And guess what? Once you know that, you're going to know love. You, pastor says it all the time. If God's in it, love's in it. So praise be to God. This is our heart revival right now. Our hearts are in transition. They are on their way to be transformed, but they must be guarded more and more for God. They are becoming the altars for heaven to earth and his will to be done. That's our heart revival. Let's move on to identity. Because imagine that. Once God revives your heart, guess what he's going to now say? Hey, this is my son. <laughs> he's going to say, hey, this is my daughter. You're going to start to hear something. Your heart's going to be revived. All the darkness, all the lies, all the deceptions that came in from that unguarded heart. And God cast them out because now we have a revival in our heart. Now all of a sudden we're going to hear his sweet voice telling us who we are in him. Pastor says it this way. I love the way pastor says about identity. He says it this way. He said, I am a loved son born of a loved father. Hallelujah. I am a loved son born of a loved father. Now listen here. I know some of us don't understand this all yet. And that's why we are where we are now. That's why he's saying this is a transition. This is where he's saying I'm doing this in the camp. This is why he's saying this is for now, for such a time as this. This is the revival process so that we can move into what is in his heart next. So listen, you are a son of God. The Bible says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. In love, he predestined us for adoption to be in the sonship through Jesus Christ. This was already in his heart before we ever were. Praise be to God. So that's truth. We can't, we, we, nothing we could ever do could ever rewrite what was done before us. <laughs> Hello. We might try to rewrite a new story right now, and guess what? God's going to shine light on it. But we can never, ever change the truth that God said it was his pleasure and his will that he would already predestine in his heart in love to make us sons and daughters for whoever shall receive him. That's our identity. But let me tell you, this identity was paid with a great price. This identity was paid for by blood. 
This identity has been paid for so that we can live our life. And when someone asks you, you have a hope, you say, guess what? I'm ransomed. I've been ransomed. I've been bought with a price. I am redeemed. That's our identity. The Bible says that Jesus put it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So listen, we live from belovedness. We don't live for it. I did that as a kid. I didn't have a father. I, w I didn't have a father that raised me and grew me up. And I lived wanting to be loved. I lived wanting to get the affections of, my, of an adult or a father figure. But we don't have to do that. God already loved us before we were ever. He said, so we live out of belovedness, not for it. We don't have to earn it. That's our identity. Zephaniah even says this about how God looks at us. Zephaniah puts it this way. He delights over us with joy. He rejoices over us with singing and dancing. That's a picture sometimes you got to just get of a father with his children. Hallelujah. A father with his children. When they're singing, they're dancing, and they are just having the joy there in the house. That's how God wants us to live. The devil trying to always make us look into depressed things. But not when you have a guarded heart. Not when you know who you are. That's what he's reviving in us. I love this. If they can put this uh, slide up. I, I love this. When this was said a couple weeks ago, it gripped me. And I pray the reality of it for each and every one in here. No one who knows who God has made them to be, would ever want to be anyone else. When that was spoken a couple weeks ago, first of all, I thank God that I can finally give a testimony to that. Because, man, oh, man, when I didn't know who I was, like I said, I... I it was like a chameleon. One day I was this, one day I was that, one day I was this, one day I was... No. Once I saw who God made me to be, he already said, I wonderfully and fearfully. The things that he made in you, the things he made in you, the things he made in each of us is so different that when you get a hold of if, how God made you and why, you would never want to be anything else. Man, that's a reality. Imagine walking into the house when the house is full of that reality. With that identity revival, I believe it's available. I believe it's for today. And so if you came in today, and that all, if there's any bit of you that struggles with that piece, you don't have to leave with that piece struggling anymore. You can come right up, and you can lay that down at this altar at the end of this service. And you can say, God, no longer. I want to know fully who you said I am. So again, how about in the house? What's the identity piece of revival in the house? Let's look at Ephesians 4 and through 16. This is what it looks like in the house. He says that you will no longer be immature like children. Our identity is going to mean that we're going to mature up. Okay? Don't be scared. <laughs> we got to mature. We ain't all going to be babes from beginning to end. <laughs> That would look a little silly. Because you know why he wants to mature us? He don't want us to be tossed. 
He don't want us to be in a place where we're blown about by every little thing. That's why he said, I want to bring a revival to each and every one of you in your identity. But he wants us to have that in the house. You know why he wants to have it in the house? Because it goes on and says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies and clever things that sound like truth. And the next verse on 15, it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. And look what's going to happen when we're not just in that place being tossed to and fro. When there's revival in identity, we begin to grow. Can you say grow? In every way, more and more. Like Dino? No. Like Christ. We're going to grow more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body. This is his church. I believe there's another verse. He ain't done there. Because guess what he says? I'm going to make this whole body fit together perfectly. Hallelujah. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. When I read that, I wrote a little note here. Look to someone else next to you and say, you help me grow. Do you believe that? That's truth. That's according to his word. You help me grow. You help me grow. We don't tell each other that enough. Woo. As each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I ain't a lone ranger for Jesus. I need you. You need me. We need each other. That's transition. That's transition that he's taking us in right now in revival in our hearts, in revival in our identities. That's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's Christ in us, the hope for glory. We are no longer the slaves to sin. We are no longer the slaves to, to all of the enemy's work. We are slaves to righteousness. And there is no condemnation to those that are found in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus, we now have the law of the Spirit. And it has set us free from the law of sin and the law of death. You can say, I'm free from the law of sin. I'm free from the law of death. There's got to be something that revives in us that we wake up and just know it. Wake up in the morning, look to Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus. You have freed me from the law of sin. You have freed me from the law of death. That's revival. That's our identity. Let's look at our character. We spent two and a half months talking about character in the house. Over the last ten months, two and a half months was character. Was God speaking us, telling us something? He was. Lessons from Joseph. He said, God, you, wow, you, 
He spoke so much on Joseph and he said, I'm bringing revival to your heart because I want a wholehearted people. But he said, I'm bringing revival to your character because I want a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. He's bringing revival to our identity because we're the generation. He's bringing a revival to our hearts so we would be wholehearted. But he's bringing a revival to your character because we are a royal priesthood. We are the ones who are going to show the goodness of our God. We don't need to wait for somebody else. We are the ones. He's called me out of darkness. He's called you out of darkness. He's called us out of darkness. We are the ones that show the light. We are the ones that are the salt. So God, does my character today match my calling? Am I putting on that face coming in church? We were at a leadership retreat yesterday, and this guy, he said, man, I would be arguing with my wife, getting the kids in the car, coming to church all grumbly, 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 and he walked in the door. He goes, hi. I've done it. Does my character match my calling? What's my resume look like? Is my resume filled with the things that God is doing in my character? That's what my resume I wanted to say, what he's doing in my character. And listen, don't let this be weighty and condemning in any way. None of us came out ready. None of us. None of us came out ready. We weren't born. Oh, wow, I got the character and the image of Jesus. No. All you had to do was dig a little bit deeper, and you see, that was going to not, that was shallow. No. No, this is transition. This is a place where God says, I'm bringing you there. But we got to go with him. We can't just sit here for 10 months since March and, and just not put it all together. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. But our destiny will never be larger than our character can support. You've heard that already. God is at work in our lives. He is shaping us so we can reach this destiny. But now is the time again. There is a time now where there is fresh mercies upon us, fresh grace upon us to respond with the Holy Spirit in each and every test of your life. Listen, there is a fresh mercy and grace he is pouring out for each and every place of testing in your life right now because he's breathing revival over your character. Let me tell you, we know, Joseph, there's going to be pride test. God resists the proud, so let's not be ignorant. If there's places in of us that is about us, God is going to resist that. He said, actually takes an action against pride. He said, I resist the proud, but I exalt the humble. He takes an action to those that are humble. humble. So I say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. We saw Joseph. There's going to be a purity test. Each one of us, we cannot come in here with unclean hands. We cannot come in here. We cannot go into this world if we have hearts polluted. 
So he's going to deal with purity and iniquity in our lives. Don't be scared of that. God's the answer. Pornography. There is no revival in pornography. There is no place that God will have his fire come in places in us that are impure. God is giving us this fresh opportunity. Remember, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. So when he's talking about our character and he's giving us uh, the test in our life so we could shape our character, it's because he's making us into that bread of life. He's taking that piece of leaven that's in there. He wants it out. He's taking the leaven out. So when I read these things, and I, I'm, be aware, all of us have character killers. There are character killers that come to each one of us, a seducing spirit that wants to now become a familiar spirit that then will become an unclean spirit. We have to be alerted to these things. These are character killers. We're going to lay aside every weight. We're going to lay aside every sin which so easily ensnares us. Why? Because we need to get ready because he's taking us to a ekbola, a pushing out into a harvest and into a transformation. And the Bible says when you lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you, you will then run with endurance the race that has been set before us. But I'm going to tell you something, a character killer. You know, we, we could have desire. This could be, yeah, this could be good right now. Sunday morning, 12 o'clock. But wait a minute, hurry up, Dino. Get done. It's 12.01. It is. <laughs> but let me tell you, we got to be those where our desire does not dissipate. We got to be those where our desire becomes discipline. Hallelujah! I'm telling you, when he spoke this one to me, he said, Dino, desire without discipline dissipates. But right now, he is saying, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to pour out a fresh stubbornness. I'm going to pour out a place where there's going to be steadfast, immovable. That there's a place where we cling and love what God loves and we become abounding always in the things of the Lord. That is the race that he is sending before us. We ain't going to be able to run it on our own strength. We ain't going to be able to run it on our own understanding. He said, I want to mount you up with wings like eagles. I'm going to let you run with the youth and not grow weary. Hallelujah, glory be to God. Move us beyond desire, God, and make us disciples. And listen, there's also another little thing he told me to share. There's a difference between belief and behavior. I believe Jesus is the shepherd. But behavior would say, when he says, Dino, follow me, behavior says, yes, Lord. So when he's dealing with your character, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. When he says, don't just make it what you say you believe, make it what you becomes your behavior. Because guess what? We're going to be those to prepare the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
we're going to be those that when they look, they ain't going to look into the camp and go, wait a minute, but I see another God. No! When they look into the camp and the enemy looks in the camp, he will have no access into the camp because this is the camp of the Most High God. This is the camp where we are saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And let me tell you, in this culture, this world that we're in, we're in it, but we're not of it. Our character is being developed in the world. We're, we're in it. It's being developed, but it can't be diseased. We can't get diseased while we're in this world because we're in this world so that we can be those that are bringing forth the character of God. We're being developed and not in diseased in this. So how does this relate to us in the house? We cannot forget that the revival of our character isn't just for us. It's for others. Look at Joseph. Look at Joseph. It wasn't that Joseph went through all that just for him. Joseph went through all that. Got to the end, it was for his family. It got to the end, and I thought about all the people that it was for. What about Potiphar when he was looking at Joseph and all of a sudden he saw all the blessing of God on him? He knew God was with him. What about Potiphar's wife? What about when Joseph was in prison and all the prison mates that were in prison and he was ministering unto them? What about he was the highest ranking guard given everything in the Egyptian uh, palace and kingdom was given unto Joseph? All them. It was for them too. Your character is for others. So I consider my life of no value to me if only I may finish my course and complete the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus. The ministry of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Thank you, Father. We're going to move into the final piece of this revival and its authority. And I know we haven't got much into it fully through this year up to now, but I know we're going to be getting more into it because God's still doing a lot with us with our hearts. He's doing a lot with us with our identity and with our character. But I know that what's coming is that God is going to be releasing unto us this revival piece for the authority that he gives his church. The revival piece that he has given unto his ecclesia. Now listen, authority comes from God. Authority comes from him. It's his kingdom. The authority is never about my might. It's never about your might. It's not about our power. The authority comes by the spirit of God. Without God, we can't. Without God, we can't. But without us, he won't. He wants to give us that place of his authority. So as God is, so are we in this world. So let's not try and figure it out on our own. We've been taught two quick things on authority. We were taught, don't ever try to figure it out on your own. Always come into his sanctuary. When you are thinking, when you're in this place, make sure you take it to God. Don't try to reason outside of his presence. Listen, authority does not come by flesh and blood. 
Peter saw that. Peter, if we look in the uh, Matthew 16, verses 15 through 19, this is what happened. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. That's where the authority comes from. The authority only comes from not flesh and blood. It comes from heaven. And then the authority was given unto Peter. I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Authority comes by God. It comes by the revelation of his spirit in his word. Authority does not come because of our traditions. Authority does not come because of our titles. Authority does not come because of programs or pulpits. It doesn't. We have got it wrong in some places. We made authority the places of who has a title, who has a pulpit, who, what program do we have? And God said, no, that is not authority. Authority, hallelujah, comes from God, and it is not earned. It is given. Authority is given. It is not earned it is given by the name that is above every other name. We sang about it today. It is given by one Lord and one God who is over all. The God that's over all, now there's the power. The God that's over all, there's the authority. The God that is most high, that's the source. That doesn't come by anything that is up below. Authority is the ecclesia. The ecclesia is this. It's God's people called together by God to listen to and act with God. That's ecclesia. Ecclesia again? Just one more time. That's us, God's people. We're called together by him so that we would listen and we would act. Hearers? and doers with God. God, I pray that you would revive us in that authority. There is an authority in the ecclesia that we would be moving with the lion, that we would be moving with the lamb, that we would, places that we would decrease, that he could increase. Places that we would say, it's not my will. I would only say and do what I hear and see the Father doing. I'm not talking about uh, just a, a revival again. That church can muster up. I'm talking to be revival from fall fire from heaven. And this is what that revival looks like. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has given me the ability to proclaim liberty to captives and opening of the prisons to those who are bound. So we're wrapping up. This is the end. Praise be to God. I want to end with what the Lord had 
laid on my heart. It's found in Luke verse 14. God is giving us this great opportunity again to not miss this place where he is saying, I am bringing a revival, an awareness of me in you, an awareness of me and you, an awareness where I can show you where I'm going and where I want you to be. And that it would take hard hold in your heart. It would take hold in your identity. It would take hold in your character. And then I would bless you with the authority of heaven. So that then you can go forth in these days, in these hours, and you would bring the place of the harvest and the transformation of heaven to earth. But I'm going to share a parable. Jesus sat down with the Pharisees and the lawyers of the day. So basically, the church. Jesus was sitting down with the Pharisees and he said, let us have a meal together. And they had some bread. And while they were sitting there and they were having this meal together with the Pharisees and Jesus and these lawyers, he came to the house and he brought church to church. Jesus. He brought the church to the church. And this is what he said. He said, I'm going to tell you, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I, I just bought a field. I must go and I have to see it. Please excuse me. And another one said, I, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way. I must go and deal with them and test them and try them. excuse me. And another one said, hey, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and he reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and bring in the crippled and bring in the blind and bring in the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done. But there's still room at the table. Then the master told the servant, then go out again. Go out to the roads. Go out to the country lanes. Go out and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Church, he's saying to us, come. 
Everything is now ready. He's got his eyes on our hearts. He's got our eyes on us as his sons and daughters. He's got his eyes on us right now on every little place hidden and every little place that is known. He's got our eyes on us in our character, in our homes, and in our workplaces. He's got his eyes on us. He's saying, now, but come still. My banqueting table is ready. He's not going to accept the excuses. We are standing now at a beautiful gate. I saw it the other night. I saw the gate that we're standing at. It's a beautiful gate. Your shepherd is at the gate. Our shepherd is at the beautiful gate. He says, I'm taking your hearts. I'm posturing them. I am readying them to see and to hear and to feel and perceive and be convicted to what I am going to do in and out of the gate. God is instructing us right now and he's leading us with such a great precision. I don't want any of us to miss that precision. I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone who's in this room, anyone who is online. I don't want anyone, including myself and my home, my family. I don't want anyone to miss this opportunity because he is leading us with great aim. He knows what needs to be cultivated in each and every one of us so we would become fruitful. Because he is bringing forth a harvest and he is bringing forth a transformation. I want to end today with that invitation in this house. If in this transition time, if right now you feel a place where your heart is troubled. If you are right now in a place where you have a heart that's downcast in any way. If you have a place that we sang about it earlier where you're thirsty or you're hungry or there's a place in you where you know you're being tested in your character and you just keep failing in that place. If there's a place in these areas where God is saying he's bringing revival, awareness to, that he is now saying, I want you to, I want to show you I'm with you. I want to do this with you. I want to open this altar up to you. I want to give you an opportunity to come today. I want to give us all an opportunity to come today. It's an opportunity for us to again say, God, I want you to have all of my heart. I want you, God, to have all of me. And listen, if you're in this place today and you got all that right, that all of these places have been revived. There is life in you, in your mind. There is life in you, in your heart. If your character has passed the test, then you still come up here and you give a praise offering. Let's come together as a house. Let's respond. I am aware that God is here. If you have a praise offering, bring a praise offering. If you want to lay down before God, lay down before Him. But let's not lose the opportunity again to give it all unto him.